Welcome to the Crafted Quill Podcast, coming to you from the Inked Fairy Lounge. I am Stephen St. Clair, and with me is my co-host, Sadie K. Frazier. Hey everybody, welcome to the Inked Fairy Lounge and to our first podcast ever. And together, we are going to be your podcast baristas, serving you a beverage for your mind. So, when you're listening to our podcast, you'll hear us say things like, The Grind the melange, and the pour. So what exactly does that mean? We have already said that in this podcast we will be talking about books, the authors that wrote them, and everything in between. Now let's get to the nitty-gritty of the segments and what they mean. As authors, we delicately craft our words, seeking to enlighten and intrigue our readers, right? And as writers, we can all agree, I think, that a healthy dose of caffeine is often necessary to make those words take flight and bring out the most intense flavor possible. So we thought, why not use our favorite life-sustaining beverage, coffee? As an analogy of the segments we will share with you on this podcast. So the grind is the first segment, where we will share the facts about the certain topics, upcoming books. We will be exploring the textures of thought, the inviting aroma of scintillating conversation, and the taste of knowledge. During the second segment, we called that the melange, or the brewing process, where we will share with you a guest speaker as they talk about their upcoming books and their literary concoctions that have been brewed and steeped to perfection. And finally, for our third segment, we called it the pour. We talk about the everything in between and invite you to taste the satisfying knowledge we have served, drinking in the audio liquid to satisfy your mind. Okay, and now that we've explained kind of the format of how things are going to go with our podcast, as I said, my name is Stephen St. Clair, and I'm an author. I currently, uh, I'm a new author, so I don't have a whole lot out there yet, but I do have three titles. Uh, My most current one is uh, Kindred Souls, Trials of the Scotsman, Book 2. As it implies, it's the second in the series, and I'm currently writing a third all of which so far are on Amazon and I believe Barnes and Noble. And my beautiful co-host, Sadie K. Frazier, is also an author. And she has, uh, I think, two more titles out than I do. And I will let her explain her business. I am also an author. And we got started, what, about a year ago? And I first started with the Chronicles of Travelstead, which is a steampunk horror. Um, Just decided to throw that out there in a short story and became published with that. I now have several other books out since then. Um, The Indigo Prince of Templemore, The Cusp of Magic, and my most recent Mount Crucieris Asylum, which is the Chronicles of Travelstead book two, second in the series. I'm currently working on a heartwarming love story named Love Sam, and it's kind of an inspirational, tearjerker type of love story. Not to give away too much, but it's about a legacy of a boy named Sam who left this earth too soon. And mine can also be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And together, our publisher currently is Solstice Publishing. Um, We haven't really gone any other routes than that. 
kind of toying with the idea of doing a little bit of self-publishing in the future also. But we will have to see where that takes us. And another reason why we're doing a podcast show is we want to not only give exposure to us as authors, but also present to you, the listeners, a more personal side of who we are. I mean, my favorite author is Karen Travis, hands down. She is, as far as I'm concerned, top of the ladder for me. But how many people can say, hey, I know who she is on a personal level? Well, that's the whole point of this podcast is to not only give you, the listener, a chance to just hear what we sound like, kind of like DJs on a regular radio station. You don't really know what they look like, but you do know what they what they sound like. So as an author, you know, you as a listener, we don't know or you don't know what we sound like. What are our thoughts as we write the books? You know, what what do we go through? So the whole point of this podcast is to talk about books, the authors that wrote them, and everything in between. And that's what we hope to uh, share with you as the listener, um, things that we go through as authors and other authors that we may interview throughout hopefully the world. You know, what from A to Z, what do we go through? You know, and as Sadie... Um, and I both have discovered that putting a book out to the general public is not simply just throwing words down on paper or digital paper. It's there's a process, and every author it's going to be different. You know, Sadie has endless notes and three ring binders of notes and emails, and you know that's just how she does it. Whereas I, I, I don't go to that length of detail. Maybe I should, but I don't. You know, I just, I, I have notes at the beginning of my manuscript. Sometimes I'll think of things. I'll email myself at my regular job and I'll get home when, you know, we, we write on the weekend sometimes. And that is where we do all our magic is we just put it out there on paper and we run with it. So we're going to do a lot of good things with this show, hopefully. And we hope that you will continue to listen and share and we will throw all of this out there on the various social media sites and please bring other listeners and let's have a good time join us for our next segment um, we will have author rachel tamayo and her recently published novel crazy love now out for sale by author rachel tamayo the new psychological thriller crazy love Find out what happens when a deranged millionaire stops at nothing to win Emily's love. 15% of all proceeds go to the National Alliance on Mental Health. And next we have the segment we have dubbed the Melange segment. We have the upcoming author interview. Stay tuned. Alright, with us here is Rachel Tamayo, our first solstice author we're going to interview here rachel thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and allowing us to interview you oh thank you for having me and we are glad to have you all right so looking on amazon you have quite a few books out how long have you been writing for professionally yes um i want to say 2015 all right so that's for the amount of books you have out, that's you, you've managed to cram in quite a few books in just three short years. Well, the reason for that is because I actually had most of them written 
before I found Solstice. Uh, I was just writing and writing and writing while I was looking for agents or publishers or whatever. Um, I just kept writing. So by the time I found them, I had four books written. Wow. So that you actually did yourself a favor by doing it that way. I kind of did. Yeah. Because I, I could just throw a lot out and not rush to put anything new out. But at this point, I don't have anything left i've published everything so at this point i'm i'm where most other authors are is you know the blank gotcha they don't have anything on the back burner basically so well we we know from what little we've written having a google drive full of uh, manuscripts that are ready to be written kind of helps but like i said you did yourself a favor by already having stuff to bring to the table with solstice yeah yeah, I'm kind of glad I did it that way because I had the whole series finished. Uh, I've spaced them out six months between. I just had to do a little editing on them before I sent them out. That's all I had to do because they were already pretty much done. Awesome. So I know what your most current book is because I've read it. Actually, the last two, and I think they're absolutely amazing. But can you tell us what your most current book is and where we can find it? Yes. My last book is Lucifer's Game. It is a supernatural romantic thriller. And it's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and various other online uh, stores. But for the most part, Amazon. Now, now you, you mentioned Barnes & Noble. Have you thought about approaching them to see if they would carry your books in-store, or do you have that already? No, I haven't done it yet. I'm actually going to do that this year. I'm, I was, frankly, nervous to start branching out locally. I wanted to kind of wait until I had some belt, some books under my belt, some actual fans. So now that I feel better about it, I'm going to actually start reaching out and doing local signings and get a hold of Barnes & Noble this year. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I know. I've, I've looked into... Solstice, uh, not Solstice, sorry, uh, Barnes & Noble, and I only have three titles under my belt, but I'm like, now that I have a sequel and I'm working on a, a third, I'm like, I could probably approach them now, but, you know, really, you're you're putting a lot of eggs in their basket, so to speak, I think, and a lot of people don't, you know, when they're new out, they don't have that tough skin yet, so yeah. uh, Sadie and I had an author event not too long ago back in november and i was just going to let her do it and she goes no, i don't want to do it if, and, unless you do it and i'm like well i'll do it too and so it's it's awesome when you have that co-author to sit with you and build you up but also if you have a lot of author friends like you have sitting here we're your fans <laughs> so anyway uh barnes and noble is going to be hard i think for anybody that's never done it before so uh good luck to that i, I definitely yeah, want thank you i definitely would love to see your books on a physical shelf somewhere. So we mentioned Solstice. Is that's that is your one and only publisher, right? Yes. Okay. And Sadie and I as well. We also have books with them. How has uh, how's your experience been with Solstice? And was there things that you didn't expect, or things that didn't surprise you about being with them? I I because all in all the research I did before. And looking for publishers, looking, I actually started out, I spent a lot of time looking for agents before I should have. I realize now that you should really be at a certain level in your writing before you start looking for agents. 
you know, yeah. start out with those publishers first, like Solstice that are friendly to first-time authors, yeah, a little and bit you'll smaller. do much better. Yeah. Um, I expected them to change my title and do all those things that you hear that they do. You know, like, oh, you'll never get to keep your title, and they're going to tear your book apart, and all this stuff, which is probably a lot of the reasons people self-publish, because they hear these things, and they assume them to be true, and so they just self-publish because they're worried about their work being destroyed. Uh, but Solstice didn't do any of that. I've never had one title changed. Uh, they don't do that. The author has pretty much full control once they accept your book. You know, if you don't like the edits, then... They don't push you, you yeah. know. Yeah, they've been pretty agreeable. Have you yeah. ever have you ever considered self publishing, or what would hold you back from self publishing? I don't think self publishing is for me. I've always wanted. To, I didn't, of course, back when I, I've, I've been writing my entire life, back then I didn't. There wasn't self publishing. Right. This is kind of a fairly new thing. So in my head, it's only ever been traditional publishing. I just. I want the, I just, I, I want to be, I want to be traditionally published. Uh, self, like I said, I don't think, I just don't think it fits me. Yeah, I think it helps to have yeah. that backing and even our authors group that we have through Solstice to help each other along the process as well. Right. What? I'm not somebody that needs to control it that much, right. which is the reason a lot of authors do it because they don't want to lose control. But it doesn't bother me. So, and I figure, you know, you're a professional publisher and you know what you're doing, so go ahead. That's my thought, but other people don't feel like that. Well, that, and they do a lot of behind-the-scenes work, more or less the hard parts, sort of, the second half. Exactly, and I don't want to do that. No, I hear <laughs> So That's a lot of work. You said you've been writing your whole life. Mm -hmm. What draws you to writing more, so, more so than other I've things you do? Always done it. I mean, when I was a kid, the first memory I have of it was, I was I was like in first grade, and I would take my friends, and we would go to the playground, and we would put little plays together, and then we would come back in after recess and put them out in front of the class, but I would write these little plays, and, and I just, I never stopped. I mean, I stopped, I, I wrote all, all through my teenage years. I wrote two books as a teenager that are still sitting in my closet. Um, that nobody's ever seen because they're terrible. But no, actual act of finishing a book is an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, no idea is a bad idea. You just have to have the confidence to polish it up and do something with it. Yeah, I actually took the original idea and I completely changed it. I kept the characters, and that the book that I wrote as a teenager is actually the third book in my series. And which, it's basically the same book. And which series is that? The Friend Zone series. It's actually the book. Uh, it's it's called uh, Claim Me. Those characters are the characters that I wrote as a teenager. Awesome. Those so you, are the very first ones I ever wrote. Now, and it you, just ended up being book three as everything came out. Now, reading, going back as an adult and reading those, did you keep a lot of what you wrote? Did you have to tweak it quite a bit? Or... Or were you happy with it? Were you surprised? I haven't read it in a long time, but I know what I wrote, and it's nothing like what I wrote. I actually originally wrote a much darker romance, and as I submitted it, 
I actually rewrote it, and then in the same sort of story, the same basic story, just a, a, a an adult telling the same story that it is a child. And I kept getting told, we don't know if we could sell this because it's actually more thriller and you've written it more like a romance. And this was before I really knew what I was doing as far as putting a book together. Not the actual writing process, but the putting the book together part. Plotting. Um, and I realized, maybe, maybe I need to change it. Which is something other authors need to keep in mind, too. Sometimes you just gotta scrap it and start over. Doesn't mean you're bad. It just means it's not right. Yeah, yeah. There's always and yeah. I actually ended up throwing the whole thing out, keeping the characters, and rewriting a completely different story. And that story, when as I wrote it, I realized when after I changed it to the story that it is now, I realized, wait a minute, this could be a series. And I backed up. I ended up writing the first book, and just ended up birthing the series by accident. That's, that's how good things come to be. Okay, let's see. So we'll switch gears a little bit. You have books out. How has social media affected how you spread the word about your books? Has it helped you, hurt you, kind of in between? Twitter is the most valuable one I've found. Facebook, it's I find it more valuable for networking than for actual actually contacting readers. And other people have different success with it, but for me, I... It just hasn't worked out for me. Twitter is where I find online. Yeah, I agree. I've got, I, I see a lot of people I don't even know retweeting my stuff as well as Sadie. It's like, I don't even know who that person is, and they just threw it out to X amount of people. Yeah, I get that too. And I've got, now, the first thing I've ever had has reached out to me from India, and he retweets everything. He's read everything I've written. Awesome. And uh, that's just recently. Um, so yeah, he just is Twitter. All right. In uh, in saying that about Twitter and whatnot, uh, you mentioned Facebook is more for uh, marketing and whatnot. And um, is there is there other mediums that are out there that you've had success with using to get your books into the hands of your readers or future readers even? Instagram. Is actually something not a lot of writers use because they, they I don't think they actually understand how to use it because it's easy with Twitter because you just post a, a, a little blurb or whatever it's kind of harder to market with just a picture some people think but I found a good teaser you know posted on Instagram gets a lot of likes you know you put the right hashtags on it and you get just as many strangers on Instagram reaching out to you as you do on twitter agreed i've I've heard instagram called the facebook but with pictures so it's it's a lot like you know we've all got them looking for a book and sometimes it's the cover that draws you in well that's kind of the same thing with you know a book trailer or a teaser people see that and they're like well that looks really good let's watch let's either watch the whole trailer or you know that's a good picture so yeah yeah all right in closing, then, um, is there any advice that you might offer to people who are just starting off, even people younger? Um, you mentioned that you've been writing your whole life. If you could go back to that person now and give them advice, what would you tell other people who are maybe afraid to take that first step in becoming an author? When I was younger in writing, I stopped 
for many, many years. I wrote all through my teenage years, and I stopped, I think, when I got closer to 19 or 20, because I just kind of gave up. And when, and for some reason, back with 2014, 2015, I decided to pick it up again and take it seriously. And now I wish, I wish that I had stuck with it because I'm like, I can imagine where I would have been now if I hadn't started over just a couple of years ago. Exactly. So my advice would be stick with it and don't give up because you're only going to get better. You're only going to learn from your mistakes, and it's okay to make those mistakes because how many manuscripts have we all just thrown in the trash? I mean, I can imagine even James Patterson. I, I saw a tweet from um, J.K. Rowling on, tw- on Twitter the other day. She's like, I, I really need to eat before I write because then I look at my computer and I'm like, I, I wrote crap because I was hungry, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've you know, we there. all do that. So just don't give up and stick with it and – it's okay to throw something away and start over. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just means yeah. that wasn't right. Yep, and no idea is a bad idea. Sometimes it just needs tweaking. Exactly. You know, that dark romance that I wrote, I actually might write it again in the future. Just change it up, you know? Um, yeah, it, you're right. No idea is bad. Some things just need to be adjusted. I agree. Okay, Rachel, thank you for your time. And everybody, go get her newest books out. We have Crazy Love and Lucifer's Game. Go get your copy now. Rachel, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. All right, thank you again. This is Stephen St. Clair with my beautiful co-host, Sadie K. Frazier. This is the third and final segment that we have dubbed The Poor. Up next, we have a conclusion to which Sadie Kay is going to share some information. So after talking with uh, author Rachel Tamayo, we have decided that maybe this segment kind of revolves around mental illness and um, some of the serious mental health conditions that can happen if they are left untreated. In my book, Mount Crucieris Asylum, Travelstead fell into the trap of listening to the incessant ramblings of his psychosis running through his mind, and it nearly cost him his life. And on a more serious note, in Crazy Love, Rachel Tamayo's book, there was Noah. Noah is a crazed stalker. Emily had better be careful if she doesn't want to get herself killed. But in all seriousness, though, living with mental health condition is no joke. If you have some sort of mental condition, just know that you're not alone. The National Alliance on Mental Health Statistics claims that one in five American adults experiences some form of mental illness in any given year. And across the population, one in every 25 adults is living with a serious mental health condition such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or long-term reoccurring major depression. As with other serious illnesses, mental illness is not your fault or of the people around you, but its widespread misunderstandings about mental illness still remain. Many people don't even seek treatment or remain unaware that their symptoms could be connected to a mental health condition. They simply really don't know or understand. People may expect a person with serious mental illness to look visibly different from others and that they may tell someone who doesn't look ill just simply get over it through willpower. 
These misperceptions add to the challenges of living with a mental health condition. And with even more recent studies, what we found is that uh, our military personnel are coming home with what we found out to be PTSD and there are even certain statistics that prove that a certain amount of our former military men and women and I would imagine that goes to our public service men and women also but they they all suffer from mental illness and and that doesn't even take into consideration what their families go through if they have if they feel that they have no support throughout that whole process as well and so when one person suffers we all suffer and every year people overcome these challenges of mental illness to do the things they enjoy whether it be through developing and following a treatment plan to which you can dramatically reduce many of your symptoms people with mental health conditions can and really do pursue higher education they even succeed in their careers make friends and have relationships Mental illnesses can slow us down, but we don't need to let us stop. Many people feel that they are the only ones suffering through a maze of unwanted thoughts and uncontrolled symptoms of mental illnesses. This can even lead to suicidal thoughts when the illness goes undiagnosed for an extended period of time without therapy or treatment. So if you or someone you know is struggling, just know that you are not alone. There are many support, services, treatment options that may help. A change in behavior or mood may be the only warning signs of a mental health condition, and they should never be ignored. There are many types of mental illness, and it is easy to simplify the range of challenges people face. Here are some things to consider when reaching out. If it is truly an emergency in which you or someone you know is suicidal, you should immediately call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, call 911, or go to your hospital emergency room. If someone you love is suffering from a serious mental illness and the resulting effect is a domestic violence situation, you can reach out and seek help for yourself and for those you love at the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can seek out support groups in your community and educate yourself about your symptoms and your diagnosis. Social support and knowledge can be valuable tools for coping. The bottom line is this. What you need to know is that there is help out there. There are many resources available to find the help you need before it's too late. So people, please, you're not alone. You're not at the end of your rope. You're simply joining your rope with somebody else's. Thank you for listening tonight. I hope you enjoyed. Please come back and see us again. And follow us on all the various social links. Let us know how we did. Thanks and have a good night. See you on the flip side. Crafted Quilt Podcast, over and out.